The Word of God this morning comes from Acts chapter 1. I think I'm going to have to go up there for the mic system. So it's Ascension Sunday, so I guess it kind of makes sense. Uh, the Word of God this morning comes from Acts chapter 1. I think it's on page 1139 uh, of the Pew Bibles. So we're going to look... Oh, this really feels different. We're going to uh, look into Jesus' ascension. So Luke chapter, uh, Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about... I wrote all about, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own, own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There is this German children's story called Johnny, look in the air. There is a different German title of this story, but I'm not going to read it for you. I tried it at home, and it didn't sound very good. <laughs> Anyways, the character Johnny in this story is a little boy who is daydreaming all the time. He's always walking around with his, with his eyes fixed on birds, on clouds, on treetops, and on everything that's up there. And as you can guess... He keeps bumping into stuff. He bumps into people. He bumps his head into lampposts. He falls down the stairs. And he even falls into a river. And throughout the story, the adults rebuke Johnny for his dreaminess. And they warn him to pay attention, to get his head out of the clouds. And in today's passage, a similar thing happens to the disciples. In today's text, the disciples are staring into the sky. They're watching Jesus ascend to heaven. And perhaps they were bumping to each other like Johnny. 
And suddenly two men dressed in white robes appear and rebukes them. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? They rebuke the disciples to get their head out of the clouds, to pay attention. But why? You know, they're watching their Lord leave. Like, they're confused. Jesus, after he was raised back to life, he was with the disciples for 40 days, and he's leaving them again. And it sort of makes sense why the disciples are staring into the sky, right? Earlier in today's passage, in verse 6, the disciples gather around Jesus and ask him a question. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They ask him a loaded question. And let me unpack that a little bit. Throughout the Old Testament, the people of Israel often lived under the rule of other nations. And these other nations were military superpowers who oppressed the people of Israel and treated them as slaves, like the Philistines, Egyptians, Assyrians, Babylonians, and so on. So the people of Israel waited for the day where their God would send a Messiah who would come in power and crush all their oppressors and establish a powerful kingdom. So this is what the disciples expected from Jesus. They were living under the rule of the Roman Empire, and they believed that Jesus was Messiah whom God has sent to crush the other nations and restore the kingdom to Israel. I mean, their crucified Lord came back from the dead. Like, what else could they expect, right? So the disciples ask, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? However, Jesus pulls off a typical Jesus move. Like he asks questions, but this time he gives a confusing answer. He says, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And he says things like how the disciples will receive power from the Holy Spirit and be his witnesses. And then he leaves. In verse 8 it says, After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Like, what in the world? Maybe the disciples were wondering, did I offend him? Like, did I say something wrong? It makes sense why the disciples are just standing there staring into the sky, wondering where Jesus is going. And 2,000 years later, we are gathered here on Ascension Sunday, but we don't find Ascension to be all that moving or memorable. Rather, I think we find Ascension to be kind of confusing. Like, is there anyone here in this room who would say, Ascension Sunday is my favorite Sunday of the year? Let's do a quick show of hands. Is there anyone who would say, oh man, Ascension Sunday is my favorite Sunday of the year. Like, I wait for it all day long. No one. Not even a single person. Uh, yeah, so Ascension Sunday is not really popular like Easter or Christmas. On Christmas, God became flesh. He became one of us. Like, that's something to celebrate. On Easter, Jesus rose from the dead. He defeated sin and death. 
Like, that's some powerful stuff. But ascension? Like, Jesus is leaving his disciples behind. And that's supposed to be a good news that we celebrate? I mean, it's easy for us to think of several people who would make the world a better place just by leaving it. But maybe not Jesus, right? How can his departure be good for us? It's hard for us to see how Jesus going away is supposed to be a good news. The one thing that we do not need is a day to remind us of his absence. Let's take a pause there for a second and let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 2. I think it's on page 382 of the Pew Bibles. 2 Kings chapter 2. In verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 2, it says, When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. So Elijah was a prominent prophet of Israel, and God has performed many miracles through this prophet. And Elisha was a disciple of Elijah, and he was also a prophet. And let's continue reading from verse 9. When they had crossed the Jordan, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And Elisha says, Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Then Elijah says, You have asked a difficult thing, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. Verse 11 As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Let's let's jump to verse 15. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. Isn't this fascinating, like the connection between the two stories, the passage from 2 Kings chapter 2 and Acts chapter 1? I don't think this is a coincidence. So in 2 Kings chapter 2, we see the ascension of Elijah and giving of the double portion of his spirit to Elisha. And in today's passage, in Acts chapter 1, we see the ascension of Jesus and Jesus giving the promise of the Holy Spirit to his disciples. So what is the ascension about? Why did Jesus leave his disciples and ascend to heaven? In the ascension, Jesus is being enthroned in heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he is empowering his disciples to be his witnesses. Jesus didn't leave his disciples behind so that they can helplessly wait until he comes back. The disciples are empowered and commissioned by Jesus the King to be extensions of his kingdom. As as I was preparing for my sermon this week, I came across this powerful quote from a preacher named William Williman. He says, 
The church is not a group of people who wistfully longs for some departed leader. We are not a memorial society for a dead Jesus. We are a people given the promise that the same spirit which empowered Jesus will be present with the church. I'm going to read that again. The church is not a group of people who wistfully longs for some departed leader. We are not a memorial society for a dead Jesus. We are people given the promise that the same spirit which empowered Jesus will be present with the church. So men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The angels tell the disciples that if they wanted to see Jesus again, there was no use looking up. Instead, they should look around at each other, at the world, at the ordinary people in their ordinary lives, because that's where because that's where they were most likely to find him. Not in the way that they used to know him, but in a new way. Not in his own body, but in their bodies. And pretty incredible things happened when the disciples stopped looking into the sky and started looking into each other. We see this play out throughout the book of Acts. At the beginning, the disciples looked like losers abandoned by their Lord. But in the days and years to come, surprising things began to happen. With nothing but a promise and prayer, they became the church. They began to say things that sounded like Jesus, and they began to do things that they had never seen anyone but him do before. Jesus was nowhere but he was also everywhere. It was like a mysterious explosion of his presence. And brothers and sisters in Christ, we too are empowered and commissioned by Jesus Christ, our King, to be his hands and feet in the world. He chooses to work through us to be his witnesses, to reflect him to the world. This actually brings us to the very beginning of Scripture, to Genesis 1. In Genesis 1, God creates the world and everything in it. And instead of him doing everything, God creates human beings in his image. And he invites us to care for the world, to reflect him to the rest of the creation. And we see this happening again in today's text Jesus is creating new heaven and new earth. And he is creating a new humanity. And he calls his disciples to reflect him to the rest of the world. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God desires his love, peace, and justice to be reflected, to be imaged in his world through you. And we can't just know this. We have to own it. And if you're starting to wonder, doesn't that sound as though we are, we are building God's kingdom by our own efforts? My answer is no. And let me explain. 
As Pastor Sean preached last week, the book of Acts is about the acts of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God is the one who ultimately builds his kingdom. But I want to add that the book of Acts is about, book, is about the acts of Jesus and the Spirit through the church, through his people. There is a reason why the Apostle Paul calls the church over and over again the body of Christ. And I think oftentimes we are too quick to turn to the doctrine of human depravity. We often say, God wants to use us, but we are sinful. We are broken. And I think this attitude can be a reflection of certain humility, but there is also a danger of hiding from responsibility. And in today's passage, even up to the point of Jesus' ascension, the disciples don't really seem to get his message. You know, they expect Jesus to bring a powerful political kingdom. But that's not the kingdom that Jesus taught and embodied. Jesus taught and embodied a kingdom where the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus taught and embodied a kingdom Excuse me. Jesus taught and embodied a kingdom where the king and his followers would die and suffer that others may live. And the disciples still don't get it. But what does Jesus do in today's passage? Like he doesn't say, I'm going to have to stay and do it myself. Like that's not what Jesus says. No, like Jesus trusts imperfect people to carry his message. Brothers and sisters in Christ, God knows that we are broken and sinful. God knows that we fall short. And I think God knows more than anybody else that working through us is very impractical. Yet he chooses to work through us. In Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he is making us new. And he invites us to be extensions of his kingdom. To show the world what heaven on earth looks like. What the world would look like when Jesus is king. So every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every minute that you spend to care for other people through visiting, through phone calls, through listening, through meals, through writing cards. Every work for justice, every struggle against poverty, racism, things that divide us and destroy us. Every act of care for people, for the animals, for the plants, and for the earth. Every prayer, every deed that spreads the gospel and builds up the church. Everything that honors the name of Christ in the world in the present is not wasted. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus invites us once again this morning. Come. I want to work with you. Come.
I want to work through you. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that the ascension of Jesus is not an act of abandonment, leaving us behind. Instead, Jesus, you are enthroned as king. You are making everything new. And you are inviting us to be signs and witnesses to you and your work. So often, the world that we see with our eyes seems to speak otherwise. And we ask that you would open our eyes to see your kingdom breaking in and help us to participate in it. We pray that your kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And may our lives be a reflection of that reality. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of our resurrected and ascended Lord. Amen.